Hey, all welcome to the Common Good Podcast. Happy Monday. Uh, Thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, right on. Dr. Terry Webb, so good to have you uh, with us with us today. And all of those of you watching, glad to have you. If uh, you as a watcher are a little confused about why on a Monday, it's a conversation with me, Doug Padgett, and Dr. Terry Webb, instead of the Red Hat Blue Hat edition, it's because this was a day that worked out for Terry and I to talk. So uh, that's, <laughs> that's why we're true. doing this. And we're going to talk on a very similar t- topic and subject that we often do on Mondays around here on the Common Good Podcast, and that is... Um, What's the effect of Donald Trump in our politics, in our life, but more importantly in this conversation about our, our own faith? Because there's a lot of people for whom their faith has caused them to vote for Trump. That confuses me when I hear that from people. And a lot of people for whom that is their faith is walking them away from the support they have, not only of, of the four-time indicted, two-time uh, uh, impeached, uh, failed presidential candidate, but uh, there's a lot of people who are nervous about all Republicans altogether. So it's just caused a lot. And so anybody who who's, has thoughtful contributions on this, as Dr. Terry Webb does, uh, we love talking about. So, Terry, good to see you. Uh, I'm well, in Minneapolis. It's raining. It's been raining for a couple of days. I mean, I'm not ready to build an ark yet, but it's been a rainy... Uh, it's, been ra- it's been raining here for two days. It's suddenly clearing up. But um, we got a little bit of the taste of the latest hurricane hitting us. So Okay. Uh, but we needed the rain. So that's good news. And tell the good people where your here is. Where are you? I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, I've lived here for quite a while. And I am an author. Um, have a website called um, uh, MaryTheresaWebb.com. Uh, and uh, I, I just com- finished revising a book that I wrote in 2019, which was Following Jesus in the Age of Trump. And if you put the book mm-hmm. up, um, then I can we can talk about it. As you notice on the cover, what I'm concerned about as a Christian is the fact that we are so confused about who Jesus was and and what he what he taught, uh, how he lived, how he expects us to live. So you'll notice on the cover we have somebody trying to decide which path to taught to take, and and unfortunately, um, those who follow you know. Trump, which I call Trumpism, or those who have been hypnotized by Trump, um, have have those some many of them have followed this what we call Christian nationalism, which you've talked about a lot. I think it's of great danger because our founding fathers did not intend us to be a Christian nation, and those who are believe in Christian nationalism, it's 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 really not a it's in married very many different forms mm-hmm. but uh, right. instead of instead of following Jesus they follow Trump and they kind of twist the truth about Jesus so in my book I have a whole section on the beatitudes and uh, some of Jesus parables and his teachings and what he taught about what it means to follow Jesus which is not not what this current brand of what I call American Christian nationalism. Christian nationalism has been around for a long time uh, since the founding of this country. In fact, Christian nationalism is what happened in England and why many of the pilgrims came over here. And Christian nationalism is part of what's happening under Putin's Russia. And whenever time you have a mixture of a national interest and, and kind of confusing your following 
to, you know, to being, you're following Jesus to be really a patriarch and that, a, a patriot. And that's what's happening in this country. So it's, uh, sure is. Well, uh, and the, it's scary. It's scary. It's really yeah. frightening. Yeah, and Terry, and your contribution to this is so helpful. We need, uh, we need all the voices chiming in, right, to help us, uh, help us think about this. In the, in the title of this uh, live stream and podcast, I asked the question, can you follow Jesus and follow Trump? And uh, Sue in the comments from Facebook just says no, right? She just, she just flat out with a, with a solid no. And then followed by Fred on Facebook who says, no, you just simply can't. Uh, now, uh, there's a lot of people who say, oh, absolutely. In fact, I have been in meetings. I have friends who say, not only can you, you should. So yeah. th this, this then um, raises this question that is raised in a lot of religious circles. And that is, can any of us have a firm, firm uh, response to any question that has a, can you do blank and be a follower of Jesus? Or can you do X and be a Christian, right? It's a real question because I've been around a lot of fundamentalist Christians that have a whole list of things you can't do. You right. know, famously, you know, I don't know if anybody's even said this, but you can't sing, you, you can't, you can't dance, you can't smoke, you can't go with those who do it. Like just all kinds of stuff that you can't do if you're a real Christian. And so as somebody who's really been trying to warn people, you and I both, about the threats of Donald Trump on our society, on our culture, on our politics, certainly on our, on our faith, for those of us that hold to a Christian faith, um, I don't know. I get nervous anytime any of us are like, you can't do this and be a Christian. Cause I just know enough Christians, man, there's just one of every swipe. Uh, so, uh, how do you, how do you think about that question? Now I know you didn't pose that question. I posed that question to just lead into our conversation, but can you just talk a bit about how you think about it? Well, first of all, um, some of my background, you need to know my background. I am an evangelical Christian. Um, I attended, um, uh, a, an evangelical seminary, graduated from a seminary. Um, and I have, I have been in, I attend various different denominations. I have been in Mennonite churches and Lutheran churches and um, fundamentalist churches and no affiliation churches. You I've religiously get many. around, don't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and, and which I believe Jesus does too. So, um, so, so anyway, when I first got concerned, it was about 2019 when I wrote this book. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was really concerned about all those people I were talking to who were, who were voting for Trump and, um, and said that if you're not a Christian, you, you know, if you're a Christian, you need to vote for Trump. Mm -hmm. um, so I got very concerned. And I, so I began to dialogue with people because I wanted to hear I wanted to know how they thought and why they thought that way. And, and I think what's happened is, and so I have at the beginning of my book, I have a dialogue, a dialogue with Christians, a dialogue which I enter into with anyone who has been a follower of Trump. And I end with a, a, a dialogue at the end as well, because this book is intended, and I'm hoping that uh, if you buy one book, you get one free, and then the free one you can give to one of those Christians who's a follower of Trump and begin the dialogue yourself. It's very difficult to dialogue. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes 
Uh, sometimes they don't want to talk. They don't want to talk about it. Um, sometimes they will, they will write something. I said, well, just write your thoughts so that I can know how you're thinking. So that's how it all started. And um, what I'm afraid of now is that there is such a cult and such a, um, uh, an unrealistic believing every, every single lie that Trump says that it's very dangerous. And um, if you look at the headlines yeah. today, there are, you know, there are more people voting for Trump, even though he's what, how many times indict, in, indicted and 91 counts against him. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's a real overachiever, that guy, both in his lawlessness <laughs> and his. Well, what happened? What happened if you follow this? This has been brewing for a long time. It's not mm -hmm. just Trump. Right. Trump just kind of uh, caught yeah. on to a whole movement that was happening. And it was a movement that was really a cultural movement or a political movement in saying that we need to uh, to make our, our government a Christian mm -hmm. government again and that it was formed as a Christian nation and we need to bring it back to being a Christian nation. Uh, people like the, you know, the, the family, uh, there were a, a lot of different roots of this that had been germinating for quite a, quite a while. And Trump came along and they got, um, they had prayer meetings in the, in the White House. And, um, and, and Trump is not really doesn't function. I mean, I can't judge anybody else's Christianity, but um, his, his, I have a section of my book in which I say, well, uh, what is, what does Jesus say about lying? What does Jesus say um, about your allegiance? And I change the kingdom of heaven to, um, to the domain of God, because we are a country that doesn't have kings. Yeah, right. So I so I changed the so I changed the kingdom of God to the domain of God, and I looked at the domain uh, of God uh, during the Roman Empire, and exactly you know what 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 Jesus was born into, and what did he say about following the the political leaders of his day, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. and then I took a look at, and then I then I have a whole chapter on Nazi Germany, which many of us believe that what we're headed towards is what exactly what happened under Hitler. Yeah, there's so, a lot there's there's too many similarities to feel comfortable isn't there with the way there's a lot of similarities in either Hitler or Mussolini. So um so we are in a very dangerous time and we need to as Christians try our best to reach out to those who who mix up their faith with um following Jesus with following Trump. They just don't go together. Yeah. I, yeah. Look, and, uh, and I certainly for, believe that for me, I, uh, I've never met anyone that I'm like, I think if you really look at what the call of Jesus would be up to, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that, talking about it, writing books about it. So I'm, you know, I'm overly opinionated. And if you think <laughs> a lot about what Donald Trump is up to, not only in his personality, not only in his behavior, but what he's actually pushing for as a candidate, policies. I think it's hard to reconcile those. I would say though, and, and I want to suggest that people try this one on for a bit, that we're better off saying your Jesus following would be more enlivening, would be more rich, would be better for you if you looked at Donald Trump and Trumpism and Christian nationalism 
more critically and seriously than the blind followership, which you're doing. But yeah. you can follow Jesus and be wrong about a whole lot of things. In right. fact, I'm right. so confident uh, in Jesus following. You can follow Jesus and be wrong about pretty much everything. Right. It, it's not. But I think what people get to and a bunch of people in here, you know, Shirley's just popped in now with a good solid no. Look, I understand the no that people have to this question. Can you follow Jesus and follow Trump with a with a solid no? I think what most people mean, I th and I believe that what we would all do better at, and I think you do this well in the book, is to get to the point where we say to people, what if you thought about it like this? Right. What if your faith compelled you to these these commitments? So that basically what you're doing is not challenging someone's profession of faith or their their desire to be a person who lives and believes and acts in the way that would be consistent with Jesus and Jesus' teaching, or a Christian, or however, whatever language somebody wants to use around that, but to say, I think there's a, a more perfect way to borrow a Bible phrase. I think there's a better way, or as you know, my four-year-old grandson says, a more betterer way. I no, think better. there's just other ways yeah. you could do this so that the door always stays open. Because I've heard from people in politics a lot that there's no way you can be a Christian and vote for Joe Biden. There's no way you can be a Christian and vote for a Democrat. And you're just like, come on, man. That's just, of course you can. So when we sometimes get a little bit like, oh, let's just invert that and say, there's no way you could be a Christian who follows Trump. I think we're better off saying, I think this is what most people mean. I'm pretty sure the people even in the comments have meant this. Yeah, I say Not that if you take book. all this seriously, go ahead. Yeah, I say that in my book, in the dialogue, I listen to what, you know, to what the what they have to say. And then I respond and say, well, I believe this way. Um, and I go back to scriptures and I, I, I do refer to scriptures a lot in my book. Um, just, you know, if you if you follow him, read this passage. If you yeah. follow him, read this passage or that passage. So I'm trying to go back to actually Jesus's day, what he said at that particular time in history, mm -hmm. uh, how he dealt with questions. Well, you need to pay taxes to we need to pay taxes to Rome and mm -hmm. how he addressed mm -hmm. some of the mm -hmm. issues that came to him and that in that day. And the interesting thing is that some of his followers were zealots. They wanted to overthrow the country, and if you look at what's happening today, some of that, um, some of that is is the people who are trying that came to the insurrection were trying were trying to overthrow the government. So Jesus would embrace these, embrace them, yeah. and he would love them, and he would listen to them, and he wouldn't try to you know, to say, oh, you're all wrong. He would just yeah. try to lead them in a different direction. Yeah, yeah, and, that's that's the magic. And and I think that's that's what we're challenged with, is to go back to the time of Jesus, to go back to what happened in other, what happens in other countries, when you have, when you mix up with a authoritarian leader, which, which yeah. Trump is, yeah. and, um, and he's he's got a lot of people behind him that are pushing some of the things that he does. He, he you know, he sure. believes in himself. And I'm a mental health counselor. I have training as a mental health counselor. And and there is a group of us that are very concerned about the fact that he has a, that he is unfit because of his narcissism to be to be in a leadership position. 
Yeah, well, and people I, were, yeah, people who worked with him said the same thing, including his chief no, of staff and people and worked with him said the same yeah. thing. And, yeah. um, and, and I, yet, I you know, 74 million people said yes to him again in new polling. A bunch of people who voted for him in the past are still going to hang in there. So the thing is, and, and Terry, I know, you know, you've been at this you know, probably since 2015, like, like I have tried to talk to people about this. In fact, I just stumbled on an old video that I posted on November 11th, 2016, with a yeah. thing like, here's uh, six possible outcomes of the Trump administration. So this was, you know, days after the election. And and then at the end, I go on this whole thing about, hey, I'd forgotten I even recorded this video that I'm going to pivot my life as a working pastor in a congregation at a time. I'm going to pivot my life so I can spend time engaging in helping faith voters see and understand what's going on. So I've been at this like as a professional obligations since 2000, 2016, travel the country a bunch of times. And yeah, yet well, people still, I mean, right there in Lancaster, we did an event on Christian nationalism right in Lancaster, Pennsylvania a year ago and met people who are hardcore Trumpers, like you, everything you tell them. So it doesn't seem like what any of us are currently doing is carrying all that much persuasion to the masses. As somebody who's into persuasion work, you you never get tricked by moving the masses. You always keep your focus on moving the margins, right? One percent, two percent, three percent, just over time, just you know the way a the way a river erodes a canyon, baby. You just keep flowing, you know. Uh, so it's it's funny because we can quote Bible pat, and you know we've been in Bible passage back and forth, probably both of us with friends of ours that are like, yeah, but here's this passage and that passage, and that tends to go you know about that well. Yeah, well, I know. And what's happening in Lancaster, you probably need to know. We have we're the seat of Reawakening America tour. You know, we're looking at all the different forms of what's happening today. And the latest one, and I have the name here, is called uh, Gospel War. Mm. Imagine that that Gospel War, and they take over. Uh, they have they attract these people, and they have these huge rallies. And fortunately, we have a, a press that is uh, really trying to support those of us who are trying to, to counter this in, in our area. What I'm disappointed is that we can't get more clergy involved like you. Uh, the, and we, we, the, um, the new uh, head of the, of the seminary, the Lancaster Theological Seminary, has now been writing a number of articles, and I write letters to the editor and, uh, mm -hmm. also. So we're trying to go through the press as well as, mm -hmm. you know, I'm hoping to, to, uh, to, you know, to say to people, well, buy, you know, buy a copy of my book and then get it, give, give another copy to somebody and ask them to read it. Whether they'll read it or not, we don't know. And one bishop said to me, who was very supportive of when I first wrote the book, said, uh, what do you hope to accomplish? I said, if we can just reach one or two people, we have made a difference. Yeah, and yeah. and I think we have to set our sights lower than we originally thought. Well, we could just convince people, right? Right. Well, <laughs> and then here's the thing: like, because Donald Trump is running for the presidency of the United States, what matters is to me whether he becomes the president of the United States. Right. A lot of right. people want to be president. That doesn't bother me. A lot of people want certain people to be presidents. That doesn't right. bother me. Like, I'm not trying to run around and fix people's minds and what they think and believe and their desires. 
But the actual outcome of Donald Trump having the the levers of power as the president again after what he did the last time, totally nightmarish once again. So I agree. Fundamentally, what this comes down to is how a subset of our culture behaves on election day. So when I'm like thinking about all the kind of work we want to do, I'm like, okay, realized I'm not going to get 30% of the American population, 25, 30% who support Donald Trump to just stop supporting him. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. We can't get two to three to five to 7% of certain kinds of voters, faith voters in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, Arizona, maybe Nevada, to stop voting for Donald Trump and therefore prevent him from having the reins of power that come with being the president. That That's very doable, and that's actually accomplished by working the margins, because as you say it so well, uh, Terry, there, a lot of people have an identity as a Christian which has been wedded, melded with an identity of voting for Republicans. Right. And I, I often joke, it's like, you know, you pull into the Wendy's drive through and you order a number two and it just comes with the fries. You can swap it out for the salad, but people don't know that. And a lot of people just made a commitment to following Jesus or were raised in a family that was Christian. And that just came with voting for Republicans. Then they're like, these fries are real soggy, but they're not getting rid of them. They're just not happy with them. And those are the people that we can try to move, right? The people for whom they feel like, I don't want my Republican identity and my Christian identity, especially evangelicals and white Catholics identity, to be so hardwired. I want to at least have some autonomy where I can choose one or the other. And then we're dealing with a different question, not just the question, do you support Trump and are you a follower of Jesus, but are you a follower of Jesus and are you going to vote on Election Day? And specifically, are you in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, (laughs) Georgia, you know, these places? So... uh, I know it's kind of a curious spot to be in, right? You're like, we can't work with everybody, can't stop. And and who wants to run around trying to police the beliefs of everybody? I mean, anybody who's been in belief work are just like, that's exhausting, you know? I can't police yeah. the beliefs in my own head. Like, if you if you knew some of the thoughts going through my own head this morning, you would have said, hey, buddy, you should figure out how to fix those, those bad beliefs <laughs> in your all, own head, you know? Sinners, yeah, anyway. Right, right, right. Um, so, but I think, I think you're right. What are the thoughts in our own head? Well, one of the interesting things is that I have spent many, many years as a missionary in many different countries. One of the things we lack is perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, you know, if you take a look at history and we don't teach history very well in this country, if you take a look at history, you take a look at um, Constantine and the taking over of Christianity and what happened, you know, what happened with with the um, with all of the the wars and everything that resulted, and you take a look at why why did the pilgrims leave England in the first place? They left England because they didn't like what was happening with church and state. So the founding fathers decided they didn't want to form a Christian nation. In fact, our 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 uh, constitution says that. So uh, so yeah, and then you take a look at. It's what's happening in in Russia currently is that the patriarch of the um, and I've done a lot of writing about this. What's happened with the patriarch um, is that he is in league with Putin. So because he's mad, 
because the the, um, the Ukrainian church broke away from the Russian Orthodox Church. So you have all of those issues that happen when you meld uh, church and state. And what happens when you try to meld the two? And um, and we you know, we've done that throughout our 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 even our own country has had a yeah. lot of a lot of history of this. So we don't understand what really happens. Yeah, and, and you're, and you're raising this important inter, interlocking narrative, which is the Christian nationalism narrative. And for yes. a lot of people, that feels like they're not even sure what it is. Right. We've, we've spent a lot of time, I've been in front of a lot of groups talking about Christian nationalism, and I'll very often right. say things like that. And you have an excellent you. program for that, Thank too. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> we'll say, um, like, hey, how many of you uh, think Christian nationalism is a bad thing, or you oppose Christian nationalism? And almost all the hands go up. And then I'll say, how many of you feel like you could define Christian nationalism for this group? And nearly all the hands go down, right? People are like, I don't like it. I know it's a problem and I'm not totally sure what it is. And, and they're, and they're totally not sure why someone would believe it. And they don't know how it connects to people supporting Trump. So can I just give a little four sentence piece on this, because I think it's really key for a lot of people who would be paying attention to yeah, this conversation. Please. Here's here's the, the new version of Christian nationalism. As Terry has said, Christian nationalism has been a constant conversation in Christianity since the time of Constantine. So if you don't right. know that long, rich history, it's there. And so there's been ebbs and flows of this and lots of religious movements over Christians history were responses to this. Calvinism is a response to it. And Lutheran uh, tradition is a response to it and all kinds of things, right? The welding melding of religion and, and government, but there's a new version of it. And it's the new version that's animating Trump supporters. And it goes a little something like this. It's the belief that God's desire for the world is for Christians of a certain kind to have control and influence in seven areas of cultural impact. Right. It's called, they refer to it in their shorthand as the seven mountains, the way that Moses seven goes up mountains, on the mountain. Right. Or dominionism. So the, dominionism. Another, dominionism right. is the larger theological idea that God right. has dominion over all things, which a lot of Christians who sort of awaken to good, you know, uh, to, to goodness as their Christian spirituality are like, I like dominionism. I like the idea that God's godness is not limited just to church or just to my heart, but it cares about everything, right? We should, it should care about our, our economics and our politics and our health and the environment. And it should just be like, care about everything. So there's a little, there's something okay in there, right? But then there's a version of dominionism which says God has dominion and reign and wants to raise up leaders to lead in each of those seven areas and things like the press, media, education, the military, politics, business. Right. right. So here's where this All coincides, coincides yeah, with Trump is that the people who are very often Trump supporters believe that Donald Trump was selected by God as a key leader from the area of media and business and now into politics. So he's a three for one. Some people even throw in a four for one, but he's like a significant leader. So what they say is he's not a choir boy. He's not a good guy necessarily. His past is checkered. And then they say, you know, sort of on the side, but whose isn't, 
right? Mm-hmm. And but he's been chosen by God right. to lead. So like Cyrus. Like, like, a, Cyrus. like Cyrus. If you ever hear about any of these people using the concept of Cyrus, um, this is what they do. I was in a tent with a guy who's a major proponent of all of this, where he was doing a tent revival presentation in, in New York, and he said exactly what I'm saying right now. I'm almost quoting him verse for verse. He said, I was there when Donald Trump prayed. I, the anointing that fell on him by God also fell on me. I'm telling you, this man is chosen by God for this job. And he says, this Lance Warnow guy says, as a prophet in this world of that kind of thinking, and lots of people follow him, said, um, the question is not, is Donald Trump Christian? The question is, is he God's chosen man for the job? Right. Okay. Right. So a lot of people are like, Look, sometimes God's going to use all kinds of instruments. I don't right. care what he did. And look if at David. Chosen look, at- by, look at David. Let's just go down the list, right? So this is why the Christian nationalism narrative, which says that God's ultimate goal is not only for America to be Christian, but for the whole world to be Christian through not only governments, but also media and business and everything gets Christianized. And you have key leaders. That's why they pick Trump. So when any of us are like, he's been this many times divorced, he sleeps with porn stars, he lies and cheats, to these folks, they say things to me like, all the more the glory to God. Look at the kind of person God's willing to use. Look at how great God's grace is. So when someone then steps in and says, Trump is no good, you can't follow Jesus, these people are like, just the opposite. If you don't see that he's God's chosen person for the job, you're the one who's blind. And then you're like, what is this, Freaky Friday, where like everything got turned on its head? But the pro- so, the so that's why that- Christian nationalism ties in. Okay, so, sorry for the interruption. No, that's all right. No, I agree with you 100%. But the, the, um, the, the part of that is so scary is that they can that we need they can take over institutions, governmental institutions um, by force if necessary. So so it's that violence aspect, which is what ha- what's happened throughout history. If you look at the, you know, the Roman Empire and every I mean, the Crusades, look at the Crusades. So, I mean, that's the, that's the problem is that the Jesus did, was a pacifist. I mean, the early Christians were all all pacifists. They didn't believe in war. They didn't even serve in the army. They would refuse to they refused to serve serve as uh, Roman soldiers in, in any battle. So, um, if you really understand the history of Christianity, and I think that's part of the problem, it's not just the history of this country, but it's also the history of Christianity. Boy, and that's I think, so so well said. And 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 you you and I have a little bit of advantage because we've had seminary training and we've studied the history of Christianity. But most Americans have not. In fact, if you talk to other Christians around the world, they will say, why on earth? What's happening in America? What is this kind of Christianity you talk about? Even before we had Christian nationalism. Yeah, it was this. It was it's it's kind of a brand of American American Mm -hmm. belief system. And because, it's the one being exported to other places, into into African nations, especially right, into China, right. into Russia. This is the kind of thing that that's been that's been happening and going on for a very long time. But here's the curious thing, Terry. And I'm interested in your take on this. Um, I, I do, normally in this time slot, I do a conversation with a friend named uh, 
Casey, and we call it Red Hat, Blue Hat Talk. We're both faith leaders, similar ages. We've been friends for 20, 30 years, and he's a strong Trump supporter, and I'm not, so we talk about it. And if Great. anybody's interested in that, you can watch the YouTube videos. Uh, we've got five of them so far. We're going to basically do this every week or every other week and sort of keep going and just listening to each other. And we really do love each other. Like we're good friends. And I just, the way he thinks about so many things in politics, but we share the love of lots of other things, music and all the rest. Um, so we're trying to model this. Well, he's then led me into lots of other friendships and conversations. And somebody was messaging me the other day and I was talking about the history of thing. And here's where history gets funny. And this is what I want your take on. I was like, I don't think old George Washington, you know, would have thought much of Donald Trump. And this person said, oh, Donald Trump is doing exactly what George Washington did because the king also wanted to kill and hang and prosecute George Washington for crimes against the government. So he's recasted the Revolutionary War into Donald Trump terms that Trump is taking on the corrupt state the way George Washington took on uh, the, 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 the English empire. Then I, we had a little Bible interaction and I said, he's like, and I said, so I guess you're going to say open all the, all the doors, right. To prisons like jails. Are you, are you going to join some of us progressives over here on the, uh, you know, on the, on the criminal, criminal justice for, and then the person brought up Paul and Silas in jail and how they were wrongly arrested because of their faith. And then God opened the cell doors. So what happens with history is people start picking. This person picks Paul and Silas and says, that's like the January 6th people, or that's like Donald Trump, or Donald Trump is like uh, George Washington. I'm like, no, Donald Trump is like Benedict Arnold. Then we're having an argument about which historic character should we draw to make our historical comparison. And then you're like, here we go again. And oh this is God. what's amazing, right? Is you can't even just say like, let's pick the Bible because then they'll just assign King Cyrus or David or Paul and Silas to Donald that's, Trump. That's, and that's, Old that's Old Testament too. Sure. Yeah, right. Okay. I mean, so, I mean sure. yeah. that's Old Testament. I mean, you go back, they go back to the Old Testament a lot and they, you know, they do consider Trump to be a messianic figure. And now he's taken his mugshot and you says, see, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for you. So yeah. what did Jesus do? He died on the cross for yeah. us. So, yeah. Uh, wow. It, it, I mean, it's, it's something else, right? Nothing is sacred. And all of the, the little tricks that any of us have had in our bag, like let's use logic or reason, let's use facts, let's use the Bible, let's use history. We got this, right? Our Methodist friends are getting all encouraged, right? They're like, there's the quadrilateral. We're going to use scripture. We're going to use tradition. We're going to use right. reason. Right. They're getting, they're getting, right. All, getting all excited. And then you talk to these folks and they use exactly the same things. They use Queen Esther and Cyrus and Paul and Silas and uh, Peter wanting to chop off the ear of the Roman guards. Like they just. But, but Jesus told him not to. Jesus put the ear back. I mean, you yeah. if you well, get into a conversation like this, I mean, you you can go back to that same scripture passage and say, "Well, have you thought about this?" So it's it's trying to. I think it's trying to broaden the vision. You know, not yeah. just that you give them the, the Bible passages, but you try to broaden the vision is what did Jesus say about lying? Well, you can go back and read these passages. 
Um, what did you know? What did Jesus say about sexual in, infidelity? Um, and you, 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 it's there. It's just that they're, you know, they're they're looking a lot at the Old Testament. I think if you're yeah. taking the examples you've given me are part of the Old Testament. Yeah, some of that, them are, but you know, they're 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 there with you know, they're as you said, they're correlating in with Jesus and the crucifixion. They're right there with Peter in the and Jesus suffered for you, right? So yeah, I'm gonna and they're using you. Paul and Silas, and you know, I mean, so yeah, they're gonna use the the whole council of scripture. They'll tell you, right? right? Like they're gonna use all of it, and 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 so what we find ourselves in then is a stalemate, right? It, it, as far as can you find history? Can you because people, I mean, Terry, it's just unbelievable the alternative reality in which people take these notions and spin them right? right and so rarely have i run across anyone who's been like oh yeah i think you're right trump's a liar so therefore he's probably not god's chosen person because that i mean frankly a lot of these people look at their own lives and i've heard of this from many people in these conversations it's basically things like well, what you're saying about Donald Trump, if you're saying then he can't be Christian because of the, then I can't be Christian because you want to know my story. So what yeah. ultimately is happening when some of us are critiquing Trump is they're feeling personally attacked, right? I was talking to a friend and I'm like, yeah, the guy's twice divorced. And he's like, well, I just got divorced a year ago. What are you saying about me? Right? So here's, this is what happens when we start to like say, Trump's not good enough to be your... <laughs> your hero, your model, your savior, whatever. I think it's better off what you're doing in the book, which is to say, you don't need another Messiah. Like the whole point of Jesus is to be done with the Messiahs, right? Like that, the, the fulfillment narrative is like, we're done with that. We don't, we don't keep hunting for new versions. This isn't sequel. We're not doing sequels, you know? Uh, right. That, so, so we need a, so we need a better story. And what, one of the things that I think your book really helps people in, cause we, we often encourage people around here to ask three questions when they're engaged in conversations with people who think differently than you, especially on Trump, but really about anything, what do you believe and actually listen? So you know what they're saying, try not to fill in the blanks before they right. say them, um, ask them why they believe it and where it comes from. And that, that leads you to a lot. Sometimes you find yeah. out who. And, 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 out. and one of the questions and, and the dialogues that I've had, uh, real dialogues, not just book dialogues, but uh, the dialogues that I've had is they will ask me, well, what news do you read? Because I mean, what, what, what news do you listen? Where do you get your news? And I said, well, I, I get my news for a variety of sources. I never asked them because usually it's only Fox News, un or unfortunately. Um, and, and they'll say, well, where do you get your information? And I said, well, I go to scriptures. I also try to have see what's happening in the world. Um, you know, I, I, I subscribe to The Economist. I, um, I try to, to listen to different points of view. In other words, and I joined Braver Angels for this because mm -hmm. Braver Angels has this doing exactly what you're saying to do. What you're doing is very important. And that is you listen, you say, oh, well, that's very interesting. And we're, you know, how did I often say, and where did you get your information? And I never get an answer. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's, it's, it, it shuts it, down the conversation. Yeah. The, the what do you believe? Why do you believe it? can sometimes yeah. feel like the end. But if you can get to the third question, which I think is the real gem, and that is, what does your belief do for you? How does your belief function in your life? 
I mean, as a counselor, you, this is where I learned this yeah. from some therapists that are like, we can talk about your beliefs, where they came from, and whether you're Freudian or not, we can come up with a, here's your belief, here's the root of it. That's not really the point. The point is, how is that belief functioning in your life? How right. is it serving you? And this is where it gets interesting when you start talking to Trump supporters and Trump, uh, Jesus followers who are Trump followers. Like, what does it do for you to be a Trump follower? And then you hear things from them that are like, well, that's revealing. And frankly, sometimes it's not the stuff you'd expect. It's not always, I want only Christians or only white Christians or only rich people to be in charge of the country. It's actually comes out of a real sense of insecurity and yes. the feeling that Trump being president makes them more feel more secure, makes them feel more safe. And we can critique why people feel the way they do all day long. I'm a professional at that inside my head, right? Real judgy up in here. But, but if we set those judgments aside and realize, oh, people are actually feeling things. And this following Trump is functioning in their life in a way that they believe is the current best option. And just like working with somebody who's addicted, if you work with anybody who has an addiction, you have to realize the, the actions of their addiction feels like their current best choice. That's whether right. it's drugs or yeah, and that's or my background. Or I'm, I'm actually a, I have a doctorate in an addiction intervention, and so and that's pardon me they, for mansplaining to Doctor. No, Wolf about no, this. no. I, but this I, is you know, what I, I think is most important, right? Then you say to them, "Can we offer you a better option to accomplish the thing that this belief is accomplishing for you?" Rather than saying, "You make no sense." you're ignorant, you don't know, you're a fool. You say, is there a better way for us, for you to accomplish what you want to accomplish with your belief? Right. Then, then your current belief. So, so, so go ahead. You're, 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 you're the pro on all this. No, 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 I'm not the pro. I mean, I, I I'm trying to, to yeah. wrestle with this just like everybody else's, like you're wrestling. I think what you're doing is, is fantastic in terms of the dialogue. Um, uh, I belong to a, a, or have belonged to a religious community in which the director did exactly what you're doing. He had breakfast or lunch with somebody who had opposite, completely opposite beliefs. And he said he spent most of his time just listening and just saying, well, what, you know, what is that doing for you? It's very hard. You have to build a relationship, which is what you're doing. You have to build a relationship with people who, who are seeing, you know, who completely opposite or are willing to do that. Now, mm -hmm. that's the, the question is finding people who are willing to do that, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and not getting frustrated because in, during the process. Yep. And, and I think for, for us who are trying to do this, I try to do this through words, through my writing, but uh, also and try to just to stop and listen to somebody. And if I hear something that I know that they're not going to be open to dialogue, then I stop right then and there. That's one of the things we learn in Braver Angels to do mm -hmm. is you don't, you know, when you get to a point where you get a roadblock, you say, okay, well, let's talk about this another time or let's talk yeah. about something else. And, yeah. um, and, and sometimes that more intense question of what does that belief do for you is the exit ramp, right? Yeah. You don't have to argue about it. You can just say, and you have to have a more, more clever way than saying, 
but how does that belief function for you? Because you say the line like that and people are like, okay, you know, armchair therapist, like, I don't need you to right, be my right. therapist. You just find a way that's like, and, and so, so what does that mean to you? You know, like that kind of thing or something around that. And I'll tell you, Terry, like a lot of people have thought the best way to practice this is with strangers over distance, like someone who you're different from enough that you feel a little separation. But most of us aren't worried about how do we learn to understand someone so different. Most of us are frustrated, and this is true in the chat that I'm looking at right now and all the social streams, people saying things like, my cousin, my friend, my parents, my kids. That's what gets people. Like, people are not befuddled by this question, can you follow Jesus and follow Trump in this age? Because a bunch of strangers are doing it. Now, there's some people who are just polit. I talk to politicos all the time and people in the political system. They're like, I know no one who's a Jesus follower and, and, fo and follows Trump personally. Like I, that's not my crowd. I don't know those people. Okay. So I just explain this as an anomaly of human character, but for people inside this, these relationships, man, we're all worried about our family and how do yeah. it's not yeah. like, how do I well, talk I to somebody in the voting line? It's I like, how do I talk to them on Saturday when they're in my backyard? Like, what, right. How do I do that? Yeah, you know, I have a family that I can't talk to, family members that I can't talk to. So um, uh, then I know I, I, they don't want to talk. So we, I can't go to first base. And so I try to say, well, we can learn to talk to each other, you know, but that takes a lot of, a lot of courage. I want to go back to something you said, and that was um, the people are afraid, right? Yeah. They're afraid of the, what's happening all around them. Um, they're afraid of, of nuclear, you know, disaster. They're afraid. Uh, they're afraid of a lot of things. So they're afraid of change. And they're afraid they want to go back to way it was. I think that the fear is the fear breed and fear breeds hate. So the two together is is what we're dealing with in many instances. That's yeah. just, just my two cents. Yeah, look, yeah, I think you're right on that. There's a lot of people for whom all the changes that have happened in America seem overwhelming to them. And they feel like it's not just change. They feel like it's a degradation, right? right? They feel like it's gone backward. The, the way a lot of fr my friends feel like when they feel like, you know, Roe versus Wade was overturned. They're like, what are we doing? Going back to a terrible time? It's a bunch of people that feel like things have just gotten worse. Yes. They're really afraid for America. Like, I mean, truly, people I've talked to who support Trump and Jesus followers are so afraid of, like, the future of America because the Christian nationalism piece that you've articulated so well in the book is, is telling them that the very future of God's dream for the world is dependent on the United States, and that's dependent on the right leader being the leader of the United States. And if it's then not that right leader, then the agenda of God is not fulfilled in the world. And then we got real problems, right? So this well, is the, this is where to people's minds, they're just like, we're not talking about just moralism or that kind of thing. They just, to them, man, on the, on the, uh, on the scales of balance here is everything that should matter to us. So politics be damned if we have to, we're going to get the leader that God wants in this country. Yeah, I know. And that's, that's frightening. It really is. And, and, and there is a, there's a charisma. Uh, I mean, um, 
I, mean, I don't want to go back to Trump because I, I do think we need to pray for him. <laughs> That's very hard to do, by the way. <laughs> um, but I do, I do think um, he's, he's captured, it's a cult. He's captured these people that believe in, in what you say and they, they believe that he is God's solution to, you know, to America. And, and unfortunately, that's how dictators rise. That's what happened in, in, I have to go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Jim, Jim has to go to work. We have a bunch of regulars around here and Jim's checking okay. in. Has to go to anyway, work. Jim, I, we need I, to hear from you in the chat because I thought you were retired. Are you back to work in Jim? Anyway, little side note on the uh, okay. internal uh, conversation happening in the, uh, with the regulars in the chat. But I, th I think we need to continue the conversation. Um, because I mean, I'm just hoping to, you know, to try to continue the conversation and, and get people to look at what, what, uh, what, a, what happens when you have a, a cult or when you have a Hitler like figure mm -hmm. that then, that then is, is charismatic and what happens when they take over. And that's, that's what we're faced with. If you look at what Trump wants to do, and these are a whole group of people behind him that are pushing for this. Yeah. But if you look at what he wants to do, it's going to destroy this country. It's going to destroy democracy. And and um, I'm I'm a Christian, but I'm also I'm also a, 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 an American. Way way back, you know, my ancestors came over. Uh, one uh, one did the laundry for George Washington, and and I know that they weren't wow. great people. But um, we have to look at the. At, at exactly what the consequences will be, yeah. And 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 um, one of the things we might we might say, well, uh, what will happen if he gets, you know, if Trump comes in as president? Well, first of all, he's going to lock out the country, and he's going to give give Ukraine to to Russia. That's already beginning to happen uh, in some of the, you know, in some of the diehard Republicans in the legislature. So. Uh, I, I take, I'm, I'm worried about the future of this country, yeah. but I'm also worried about the future of Christianity because we're going to destroy Christianity in this country. And you have to look at, first of all, um, Christians are, are all over the world. I mean, they're very strong Christians in, in, in uh, Uganda. Um, and they've been misled on some, some, uh, you know, uh, the, the homosexuality issue. Um, if I tried to keep an open mind, she quickly threw back at me. Her mind is so, everything flies. So yeah, um, let me just read that for people that are on the podcast here. Yeah. I, sometimes I pop up these quotes from people that go along with what we're saying. And Alex uh, uh, has a, a comment uh, from, from YouTube that says, I tried to explain to my mom that I try to keep an open mind and dialogue. And she quickly threw back at me. Your mind is so open that everything flies out of it. Meaning my mind is empty. And she says, thanks, mom. Uh, so, I mean, this is the kind of uh, struggle that people are living with, right? Uh, Alex, an adult person like her mom, like, hey, you're, you're, <laughs> you have an empty mind. You don't really understand the truth of what's going on. I mean, this is just, um, this is at the heart of it that we're looking at the same. And, and they will name call. And one of the things we cannot do is name call. And that's one of the things we learned to do in Braver Angels is not to, is not to use stereotypes, name calling and that kind of thing. It's just to be opening, open to listen to people and reflectively say, oh, this is what you believe. So you're not trying to, you know, you're not trying to force, force feed them with what you believe, but you're trying mm -hmm. to get them to think. Um, 
And I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm, we could go on on this all day. Someone in my <laughs> and we do on this podcast. We, we, we do that. We, we go on and on about this. On this podcast. But, you know, Joe Biden, this interesting, this what's happening with Joe Biden. What bothers me, and I'll just, if we're going to talk about Joe Biden, they want to impeach Joe Biden mm -hmm. because of his son's has had a very serious cocaine addiction issue, an alcohol issue. And I've, you know, I've tried to write, write letters to the editor about this. I said, give this guy a chance and don't blame his father. His father was trying to do what a lot of parents do is they want to love him in, the, in spite of the fact that he has a terrible addiction and he's doing things as a result of that addiction. So, um, uh, that's is this is what bothers me is that they're they're attacking they're attacking Joe Biden because his son has an addiction. We can't. That's that's just to me is just that's what really gets to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and you bring up such a great point because it's just it, it it interlaces all of these issues about how we deal with our politics, how we treat our politics, and look very. Very few people, including professional politicians, feel good about our political system in the United States. It's weird who, how few people can actually run for public office. Our right. choices seem so limited. It feels like that certain people carry power that we can't unravel. Like it doesn't feel good. And so many Trump supporters that I know make the argument that the system is so broken we need to dismantle it all together, you know, or burn it all down, any of that kind of language, right? And there's a lot of progressives who feel that way too. They actually share that view of, of the world. They just think the whole thing's got to get turned over. And so when Trump starts doing things, the rest of us are like ruining democracy. They're like, no, this is what it takes. So again, they take the same facts and apply a different explanation to serve a different purpose. Right. <clears throat> and so Rarely are we going to get to somebody, to anybody, like, look, there's no argument that most people watching this who agree with the premise of this conversation, there's no argument a Trump supporters going to give to you that's going to get you to say, I think I should start supporting Donald Trump, right? So just like you're unmovable, they're going to be unmovable. But if you can make that person understand that your view is legitimate, that's better than them thinking it's illegitimate. And the beginning of that is to believe that their belief system is legitimate. You, and, you, and you, I you can't encourage... get mutuality if you think the other person's belief system is fundamentally illegitimate. Like well, it's want, written in to, fear yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I want to encourage people that are on this call because um, it's going to take all of us to stand up and speak the truth no matter what happens. And um, that's what I'm hoping can happen. I mean, I had a uh, I had a grandfather who was a bishop, and he had to fight Henry Ford because he took the side of labor versus. <laughs> so you know, versus uh, <laughs> this runs deep in your blood. This uh, this, this uh, religious it's deep in my blood. Oh, but yeah. I think I I keep saying, where are those? We need more of us mm -hmm. who will stand up. That we will listen respectfully. But we will we will say, but this is this is the truth. And I think I think that the truth is getting lost here. And that's what that's what bothers me. Well, the, the book is following Jesus in the age of Trumpism. Dr. Mary Teresa Webb 
kind enough to let us call her Terry, uh, Dr. Terry Webb here. Um, so this is a book you can pick up if these conversations are interesting. Terry also has a sub stack. So if you're a, a sub stacker, you can, yes, I, I I, honestly, I tried to find your sub, your sub stack and went on the sub stack and searched and I can't figure it out. So okay. um, th there's something wrong with, with my fingers and brain. Um, but well, you can, you can also get on my website. I have a blog on my website as well. So um, terryweb.com. It's marytheresaweb.com. Marytheresaweb.com. So, um, and um, so that's, you'll, you'll find out a little bit about who I am and some of my background. Anyway, thank you very much. And remember, you. Um, if, you're, if you're interested, uh, you can email me at terry at marytheresaweb.com. Just, just use the Terry that, that Doug is calling me and say, Terry at marythreesaweb.com. <laughs> if you're interested at all in, the, in the, you know, the fact that I want to get this out there, that you can give it to somebody you, you, that is, you're having a dialogue with and just, just take a, you know, maybe we can talk about this. Maybe you don't want to read it, but mm -hmm. uh, maybe you can get something out of it. Okay. So um, if people read, oftentimes they'll just listen to whoever is telling them what totally. they believe. All of us. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. words to read in this world. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, last week we had a conversation with a person running for the, um, uh, the Dauphin County commissioner uh, there in the Lancaster area, Justin Douglas. So just did an interview with him last Tuesday on this, on this podcast stream. Um, well, da so, Dauphin County is Harrisburg. Yes. Uh -huh. That's not, that's not your area. Doesn't include no, it's Lancaster. Lancaster County and, and Dauphin wow. County and Chester County and all the other counties that are around Maybe us. Maybe he was just from Lancaster. I don't know. Somehow we were talking about Lancaster because he came up with the pronunciation. So. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so if anybody's in that, that part of Pennsylvania, uh, Pennsylvania yeah. is pretty important. And uh, yeah, I want to get, get into there, so thinking about your, your senators, your, yeah, your two senators causing all kinds of trouble over there. <laughs> one one <laughs> is criminality and one with bad fashion sense. Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, thank you very much. Terry, thank you. And thanks to all the people. Uh, Tad, um, uh, see your comment here. So Tad's new. Alexa. Alexa. Uh, see, I, now now things are going to start making noise because I mispronounced Alex's name. Kimberly, Yabitz, Vicky, Kristen. We just like to name the people who are good enough to comment. Peggy, uh, Shan, Jim, uh, Emily, uh, Tegan, uh, Sue, Susan. Uh, Christian, uh, Dan, all of you, Adrian, uh, Joellen, 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 I got that name wrong. Uh, uh, Vicky, all, all of you that are kind enough to be part of this. And if you're not seeing all these comments, you're like, why, why is he naming all these people? It's because we put this out on Facebook and on Twitch and on YouTube. So that's where they're all coming from. Our favorite place okay. is YouTube. So if you've not, <laughs> if you're not on YouTube, any of you uh, viewers and listeners, uh, uh, go over there and do the thing to help the algorithm help other people find this, which means subscribe and like, and that stuff It's just all, you know, doing, doing your part to help the robots help us. Uh, so, uh, head on over there and we'll be back tomorrow. It's Tuesday. So we're we'll back with the politics day and back again on Wednesday. So, uh, you know, full half week of, of content material. Terry, thank you again. Thanks well, for your thank friendship. Well, thank you very much. And uh, for anybody who's listening, um, uh, you know, again, my, my email is terry, T-E-R-R-Y, at marytheresaweb, T-H-E-R-E-S-A, dot com. Uh, and I will be glad to answer any emails that come. I do have, and I'll give you the information about Substack as well. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, thank you all. Okay. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you all, uh, I guess, uh, I guess tomorrow. All right. Bye now.
Thanks.